everyone. Welcome to another episode of Lunar Crush Live. We are out of this world today. Excited to have the team from Algorand, um, Kelly, Paul, Addy, coming on here shortly. Um, just a reminder to everyone, you know, we do not take payment for these live streams. We find projects and people that we love that are contributing to the ecosystem um, and bring them to the forefront as much as we can. Uh, make sure you hit that subscribe button. We got some pretty fun ones coming up here soon, and we will announce those uh, over the next week or so. Um, as soon as we get those graphics made, right, John? Um, but yeah, get that subscribe button on YouTube, and uh, John's going to go through some uh, through some social insights for for Algo and for Algorand. And I'm excited because I got my my Bitbus koozie. I'm keeping everything cool today because I know this is going to be a great one. So take it away, take it away, my friend. <laughs> nice, nice. I'm not that cool. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm I'm honestly like so excited to talk to this team today because. I actually remember sitting in our office in, in Orange County, California, uh, about it must have been just over a year ago, saying, "Hey, hey, there's this there's this really smart Italian guy, Silvio from from uh, he works at MIT and he's got this new project, Algorand. Guys, we should check it out. And um, you know, it's it looks really advanced, and we really should do some research on it. And and so, pretty amazing to sit here a year later and go, you know, let's 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 see where things are at." Um, so what I want to do to start is really go over some of the social metrics that we're seeing on LunarCrush.com and um, really an awesome time to be having this discussion because uh, social activity is really moving on up. So um, if we just look at the last year, we could see the price is up about 150%. Um, and I think that tells only part of the story here because when you look at the social activity, so just looking at social volume, um, I mean, we hit an all-time high yesterday. Um, and so I'm, I'm really curious to see where this goes here. Um, you know, we hit 57, uh, 5,711 social mentions, uh, which really what that's, what that's doing is it's looking at all sorts of different social channels and it's seeing every time someone mentions Algorand or the ticker Algo or a hashtag Algorand or any combination of it. Um, and it's, it's really measuring every post that says it. And so we see, you know, over the last year, that's up 697%. So the community activity has really grown a lot. Um, we also see that within that, there's engagements that happen. So all the retweets, all of the likes, all of the comments, um, all of the upvotes on Reddit and that sort of thing, other comments there as well. Um, we really look at all of that depth and we see that's up 569% and it does appear to be on an uptrend right now. Um, and when we look at the number of individuals, this is actually one thing that I may be most excited about when I look at the social data is because it's one thing to have someone that's like a super mega fan of a project that's posting all day. Um, it's another to actually have a, an expensive and accelerating community do it. And so what we see in this chart is that, you know, that has never been higher. I mean, we've been as high as 4,380 unique users, if you want to give it that metric, uh, it's unique individuals posting per day. Um, and so we see that that's consistently going up and it's accelerating. So that's one thing to definitely watch. Um, and the other thing to just note here is this is something, you know, social dominance is kind of like market share of social. Um, we look at that, uh, that like how much of the entire pie does Algorand have? And so when we look at that, um, I mean, recently it's hit as high as if we look there, 0.96% of all social posts that we collect across all coins. Um, currently it's at uh, 0.57, and that's a daily average of that of that metric. So these numbers are really going up. And so the other thing to, to look at is who is doing, who, who are the individuals that are doing these posts? 
And I'll just load this up real quick. So we see, um, we measure influencer activity across all of this. So we collect all these posts, we classify every single post by coin, by sentiment, if it's spam or if it's from a real human. Um, and we do it, um, we, we try to understand a little more depth with like the, the who is doing it. And so um, we look at really in the engagement of the posts that individuals uh, post. We look at the number of posts and we look at the number of followers that they have. And we look at it all over time. And so we take all of that, that data and we actually give it a weighted average rank. And so um, as we'd expect, Algorand's number one um, on the last year. But what's really interesting is when I look at some of these other influencers on here, these are like the who's who of bulls out there. Um, we've got Crypto, crypto Macho, Pantoshi, um, Bagsy, the Crypto Dog. Oh, wow, they got them all. Yeah, and you know, Nick Patel, uh, Crypto Newton, you know, Algo Foundation, Crypto Wizard. So it's pretty cool to see like it's their own first party accounts between the Algorand account and the Algo Foundation account mixed in with, um, again, the who's who of bulls out there. Um, these guys are really busy posting all day long. So to see them on a yearly basis come up here is really awesome. Um, and it's really great. And just to, to point out one thing, just relatively where things are at, I do want to point out our compare tool because this is actually a, the next thing we're going to be launching is a new version of compare, um, which has a lot more functionality. So if we just look at like, where is Algorand? So we've got this super advanced like project out there that I, I can't wait to talk more about. But you know, how does this compare to say maybe an Ethereum? So where, where are we at? So one of the things that we look at is like combined social and market activity. Um, and we see that Algorand has a 34 right now and currently 2,092 coins qualify for this metric. They have enough activity for it to qualify. Um, it's actually outranking Ethereum at the moment, which is pretty cool. Um, but when we look at just overall where it's at, and this is, I believe, this is the last week. So if we just look at the last week, I just wanted to point out there's been about 23,000 Twitter posts versus 276,000 Ethereum posts. Um, you know, 989 on Reddit is what we're capturing versus about 19,000 on Reddit. So, you know, one might say that there's there's this kind of opportunity here. Um, it's earlier stage than Ethereum. And um, if we look at market cap, I mean, obviously Ethereum is massive, 186 billion, 574 million for Algorand. So, um, you know, we could probably just guessing based upon social activity, I would expect the social activity to continue to rise. Um, it's a very, very exciting time. So so with that, um, let's bring our guests in, Joe. All right. Boom, boom. Kelly, Addie, welcome to the show, you guys. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Joe. Thanks for having to be here. Yeah. Cool, cool. Well, we, we always like to start with, you know, and, and maybe Kelly, you can start. Where where are you in the world and, and what's it like there? Yeah, so I'm here at Algorand Inc., the technology company, working with Silvio. Uh, glad you gave him the uh, the shout out there, <laughs> John. He really is uh, one of the you know I, I refer to him as the modern day godfather of cryptography, right? Like he's invented so much stuff and all of these protocols that have been around forever, um, and really stepped into it. So uh, I head up all our marketing communication, work a lot with our community and the users on, on more so on the enterprise side uh, that are using Algorand and leveraging it for sort of the next generation of um, future of finance, right? Like where all these things are, are coming. Uh, love the analysis you guys do, love the work you do. Uh, I love being focused on the metrics and it's like you're inside my head with all this stuff. Um, and I think what's really exciting to see with all of the things you have is just 
how much of it is uh, is from our community, right? How much is from individual users, uh, some of the influencers that really like the project, the tech and what it's bringing to the table um, and, and the users, the, the adoption that we're seeing. And I think it's a testament to how many enterprises and, and people are really using, developers are really using Algorand right now. It's been um, growing exponentially and it's a really exciting time. And I think that's coming through in the metrics that you had up earlier. Absolutely. And then, uh, Addie, you're with the, the foundation, but maybe tell us a little bit about yourself and what's a day in the life look like for you with Algo? <laughs> um, so, hi, I'm Addie Wagonick. I'm with the Algorand Foundation. I'm doing, uh, currently, I'm the director of ecosystem development and venture um, allocations. So, the day in the life of me, it's quite crazy. I mean, we're a highly decentralized um foundation in the sense that we have teams in Asia, Europe, and these states. And so we're kind of constantly working around the clock. I like to joke with um, a lot of the people I work with that we're on a treadmill because as soon as I go to sleep, someone else is waking up. And that's sort of um, how we live as much as I think crypto exists. So it's it's definitely fun. I mean, we've been working a lot on things like governance and sort of community mechanisms and looking at the ways in which um, decentralization will play a role in the future of the chain. Very cool. Yeah, I think when we all we all started working remotely and we all joined this this industry, you know, it, we thought, oh, we get to work from home. It's all going to be remote now. But what you realize <laughs> is that no, that just means an eleven p.m. call with, you yeah. know, with Singapore <laughs> and a you know it's five a.m. call with India. So I, I think it's you know it's it's crazy, but I think it's super fun and um, you know just to kind of like tag along that. I mean, what what are some of the areas that the foundation is looking to invest? And in? you know, I, we're going to get into a lot of the you know, the different projects and some of the case studies, I think that you guys, that you guys had, and, you know, we had, we had stacks hero, which is formerly block stack on a couple of weeks ago and, and you guys are working with them, but you know, what's it look like when a, a new company or, or project starts to interface with you guys? So there's a lot of different kind of entry points and how you can get involved in the ecosystem. But I think from a foundational standpoint, um, we look at things like, how we can support, encourage, and sort of facilitate um, community and, and developers. So we do things like grants. Um, right now, we've just launched recently a bounties program. And then we have an accelerator program that I would consider quite global. So we just had the demo day pitches for the Asia Accelerator in December. Uh, we just closed and announced the finalists for the EU Accelerator. So right now, we're going into kind of all the workshops and onboarding of Algorand and and pitch workshops and how you present and, you know, decks and these sort of less glamorous parts of adventure life. And then uh, we're also yeah. doing the FSC challenge in Latin America, where we still have a few days until the applications close for kind of uh, Latin America's specific use cases. So although the communities and the developers don't necessarily have to be based there, but they're concept and proof of concepts need to be kind of a deliverable based in that region. And so we're really trying to activate multiple spaces within kind of a more global crypto system. Uh, prior, I've, I've worked with other layer ones and we were very focused on kind of Europe and the US, but I, something I've really enjoyed with Algorand has been this global perspective and we're constantly looking at where we can expand and how we can support those communities. It's awesome. Yeah. So those LATAM folks get in there only a couple of days left. And I, I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, we, we just started an office in uh, Santiago in Chile. And then, um, you know, we also just hired our first um, folks out in Africa. So in, uh, in Kenya um, and just, you know, just the developing world, it, it kind of reminds me of like Tesla entering the automotive space in, in, you know, such a late time compared to everyone else, you start fresh and the innovation and the speed from something like that. So 
just so, just one more thing kind of on the on the foundation and applying you know we went through like a tech stars program for, for instance and you mm-hmm. know everyone kind of has like this standard way and you know paperwork and everything that comes out of that i mean are you guys when you do these accelerator programs are they is it kind of like here's the agreement and you kind of go from there or are they because everything is so different in the space i mean you might have someone working on more community oriented more back-end oriented how do you look at those projects kind of as a case by case um, I would say, I mean, so we just, we just with the European Accelerator, we had a, a little over 200 applications for 10 positions, and it was really case by case. It was quite um, a lot of, I mean, in a way, it was a taxonomy approach. We were looking at um, the prior experience of the developers and the, the community of um, around it in terms of traction. We were looking at sort of their metrics from a prior work standpoint, in addition to what we thought, you know, was capable, what they were capable of, we were working with some of our venture capital partners. So um, they were assessing some of the more business development side of the metrics. And I was looking at things from kind of a technical deployment and how viable it would be for Algorand. Does it make sense, you know, to have Algorand as use case versus another layer one protocol? So it's really a combination of things, unfortunately. I wish I had a really clear answer for you. No, no, I think you kind of answered it there. I appreciate it. It looks like we've got one more guest. Paul is backstage. I'm going to bring him up. Paul, if you're there, if you can hear us. How's, hey, it, going, man? How's it going? Hey, Paul. Happy to welcome, be here. Welcome. Appreciate the, uh, the time. No, of course. Yeah. For everyone out in the audience, Paul had a little, you know, we, we got started 10 minutes. Here we go. So Paul, tell us about yourself. You know, what's your, what's your day to day at Algo and uh, why'd you get involved with this project? Yeah, for sure. So, uh, so I'm Paul. I'm the chief product officer here at Algorand. Uh, so I'm responsible for uh, product management and the engineering team and our developer relations team. Uh, I've been at Algorand for about uh, a little over two years now, I believe, two and a half years. Um, and I came here from the crypto, uh, sorry, from the crypto space, <laughs> from the cybersecurity space. Uh, at a company called uh, Carbon Black, which was originally uh, Bit9, then Carbon Black, and has now been bought by uh, VMware. So I was there through the IPO and then uh, was looking for my next spot and got really excited about the the blockchain world uh, and got really lucky getting into uh, Algorand uh, while we were still still getting off the ground. So uh, super excited to be here. Awesome. Well, it's it's great to have you and I appreciate it. And I think, you know, last night, John and I were were kind of sending messages about this and um, you know, looking at all the, the different use cases, you know, on the site and, you know, maybe, maybe Paul, you can just kind of explain a little bit about, you know, what makes Algo special, you know, it's like some of the consensus and staking consensus around like the blockchain. I mean, just kind of explain like, you know, sometimes what is like the elevator pitch that makes Algo different that, and, you know, makes it special. So people out there know. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think there's a technology story that's pretty strong in terms mm-hmm. of, uh, the just the sort of speeds and feeds, right? A uh, thousand transactions a second, instant finality. There's no, hey, let's wait on X number of confirmations. Um, we have uh, very, very low fees. So from an economic perspective for application developers uh, or businesses that are looking to bring blockchain into their stack, it's a very sort of predictable, uh, easy way to, to understand the economics of what it's gonna cost you. Um, but there's also sort, sort of more nuanced things uh, like, the decentralization by design. Uh, you know, you talk about our, our finality and how that's achieved regardless of the number of users uh, that are actually participating in consensus. Um, you know, there is no sort of second, uh, second class or different class of citizen. Uh, everyone who is online and participating in consensus can be uh, chosen to propose a block, can be chosen to uh, validate a block. 
Um, and because of that, you know, if if you believe that decentralization is really one of the core concepts of blockchain, which I think probably most of the people on, on this live stream would agree with, uh, you know, those kinds of features kind of go to the core of, uh, of what a blockchain is and who it is. Uh, and so we believe that we've got these sort of underlying tech in terms of speeds and fees and costs, uh, but also we are in a position because of the technology to scale as big as the world wants us to scale uh, and can and keep and and in fact increase our um, our decentralization just because of the way the protocol works. Uh, in terms of capabilities, which kind of doesn't get, to get included in that one, you know, we have the capabilities to run smart contracts uh, that are as complex as need to be. Uh, you know, if you're looking to build a DeFi application or you're looking to build a, uh, a uh, NFT application or a marketplace or whatever it is, uh, we have the capacity to support that. And the great thing is we actually support it at the same speed and the same cost as any other transaction. Uh, so it's not an issue where, well, I'm paying 200 bucks anytime. You know, I'll pay, uh, you know, a, a, a 20th of a cent when I'm uh, just sending a transaction. But if I want to use a smart contract, it's like 200 bucks. Uh, it's the, the same cost no matter what, uh, which sort of extends that economic model into to more complicated smart contracts. So we're, we're pretty excited about where we're at. We, th we think the, the underlying tech and the, the, the um, initial design decisions that every blockchain's got to make, like what trade-off do you want to make? Uh, we feel like the, the original design decisions really hold true to the ethos of what you want a blockchain to be uh, and sort of maximize and uh, flywheel as we get bigger they don't we don't run into some some cap that's inherent in the technology as well awesome well thank you and throw, throwing you right into the fire right as you get in yeah into let's this. do it I, I think you know john and i talked i mean and john i, I want to talk about ethereum you know and fees and it's like every day yeah, we, we're yeah, like who can who can find mind, this man. who can find the more more ridiculous scenario with the higher <laughs> fee of like you know sending you five dollars for a hamburger and it's costing me 91 dollars and I mean, this is this is a huge issue with Ethereum, and, and obviously they, they want to solve it, you know, over the next eighteen months or so. Um, but you know, we just you know we get ten to fifteen DeFi projects that want to be listed on Lunar Crush that are emailing us every day, and I, I keep a I'm trying to ask all of them, and I don't have enough time. Wh why why Ethereum again? Even though, and it's it's all about this audience, right? That they think is there, but yeah. if it's unusable. You know, it's like an NA, like you can't even do it. I mean, you guys, anyone have an opinion on, on that and, and why that keeps happening? Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely have an opinion. Um, <laughs> it's exactly what you said. It's the, well, the, the market depth is on Ethereum. Yeah. Um, which to some degree is true. Uh, and to some degree is probably a little bit uh, short-sighted. So, you know, uh, the, the sort of first point here is like, to some degree, that's true. The 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 uh, underlying market depth is on Ethereum. Uh, however, depending on how you're using some of these DeFi applications, like unless you're really chaining them around, um, it actually, like they're fairly silent. Like it doesn't totally matter that it's on Ethereum. Like I'm using X wallet and X wallet is connecting to X thing on the back end, or uh, maybe I'm accessing it through APIs, in which case I've written some application that accesses through APIs. Does it matter that my users, like, does it matter that it's Ethereum on the back end? Probably not in those cases, because it's not that your users are, uh, you know, trying to chain things together. They're using this application and going from there. Um, the second thing I'll say is that the users that, that we have, we love them and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, they are active and uh, we are rightfully competing for, for those users. Mm -hmm. 
they're probably the like it is the leading edge, right? There's this whole other uh, uh, segment of customers, if you will, that hasn't been introduced to blockchain. And to your point, if they get introduced to blockchain on an application that like is not particularly usable, they're not there because they love blockchain. They're there because they've, they've heard there's this new opportunity that they want to be a part of. And those are the folks that may have less, um, they are more tied to a good user experience than they are tied to an underlying platform uh, like, uh, like Ethereum. And then the final thing I'll say is, man, blockchain interoperability um, has been a buzzword for a long time, uh, but the progress that's being made right now is uh, it's really starting to come on. Uh, and uh, including, you know, we've got some really interesting stuff coming out, uh, ways to our blockchain attests to its own state. So you don't need something like a light client that is constantly keep, keeping up with the blocks. You can have a, uh, a portable cryptographic proof that is that has signatures from, you know, X percent of the online stake to uh, to allow you to process wherever you want on whatever blockchain uh, to make it completely trustless and decentralized. But there's lots of other really cool solutions out there too that, that don't have anything to do with our blockchain. And that totally shifts the, the calculus in terms of um, how you have to think about where your customers are and how they get to you. Uh, and in those, all, all of these things are basically like, you know, I don't fault anyone for making a decision of, hey, I think I need to start with Ethereum. Uh, but I think it's just gonna become less and less of something that's a, that, that anchors people down, especially for new applications. So what are some of the DEXs that you guys work with or have built, are building, um, that are gonna solve this fee problem? Yeah, for sure. So uh, IDEX is a, a company that's taken, uh, uh, that is looking at Algorand and, and how they sort of port their thing over. Uh, Balancer uh, is another one that's bringing their AMM to Algorand. Uh, we've got another uh, kind of set behind that of AMMs that are in development right now. Um, uh, we've got a couple of lending protocols. Uh, someone's doing something they call Staker DAO, uh, which is uh, you know in the Maker DAO sort of um, uh, frame of reference. Um, we've got I, I don't know those are the ones off the top of my head, but we've got a, a lot of projects around it um, that are uh, that are like just just coming to market right now. And that doesn't include you know we do have a bunch of things that there's a wrapped algo. There's lots of people who are launching assets. Uh, on Algorand to take advantage of transaction speed and costs and that kind of thing. But the more complicated, the more interesting sort of DeFi applications were right on the tip of people launching. Um, so very exciting from that perspective. That's yeah, I was going to say there's a lot of stuff that, I, you know, we, we know is being worked on but hasn't been announced. And I think there's some great stuff coming on that front. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully, I didn't uh, uh, say any names that I wasn't supposed to say. No, fire up those announcements. That's what we yeah. like to we just Good. blurt it out. Um, no, it's it's great, and you know we we always used to talk about you know like microtransactions, and you know why do I have to pay fifteen dollars for you know a, a New York Times subscription and a Wapo subscription, and a you know it's like I want to read a small percentage of that publication, and you know I like in order to do a microtransaction of five cents, I got to pay ninety dollars. It's just that future seems to be waning um, unless some other players kind of come and step up and and take that place, and so. You know, it seems like, you know, I did want to talk a little bit about, you know, we did have um, Stacks on here a couple of weeks ago and, and the Clarity smart contracts and, and maybe, and I don't know if any of you guys kind of worked on that with them, but I mean, what what does that kind of partnership entail and, and maybe some of the details around that partnership and how that works together? And it seems like a lot of people, a lot of smart 
projects out there are kind of like algo seems to be a piece of it and you know whether it's kind of like helping build something or kind of rounding out something so i'd love to hear about how you guys are working with them yeah i mean i can talk about it from just sort of the more technical level and then i can pass it off to kelly or addy to talk more about it sure. um but you know these are kinds of things that are like hard they're hard problems like uh you know I want to do a new language for smart contracts and I want it to be uh, safe and I want it to be expressive and I want it to be uh, all of these different things and they're hard problems. And so uh, we have very, very smart people at Algorand on our research team uh, that are that like those hard problems and get after it. But in these kinds of cases, the more smart people, the better. Uh, there's a bunch of smart people at Stacks as well uh, who've done a lot, of, a lot of good work there. And so when you talk about the collaboration there. It's really about, hey, let's talk about what that language should look like. Uh, and you know, what, what do we think about this idea and just sort of the general research process of, uh, of breaking new ground. So from a, a technical perspective, it's, you know, it's a lot about just getting more brains on a common problem, uh, which is something we could probably use more of uh, in blockchain in general. Uh, I don't know if you guys want to take it in a, in a slightly different direction on the partnership. Yeah, I think even even if you back it up, like philosophically, I think it's just really interesting that there needs to be like new approaches to some of these things, right? And you've got like some leaders in the industry that are coming together to solve those hard problems. Nobody's trying to do it in a silo. Uh, there's work being done to make it, you know, done better across the board. And I think that's really powerful too. You know, the, the team over at Stacks is great. We love working with Monib and his whole team. Um, and I'm excited for what for what that will mean in the future, for sure. I'd love to come back to the gas fee discussion just a little <laughs> bit because because I, I think I think one of the things that maybe like like what drove that and and I would say like you know we trade all the time uh, on our own personally and this and that and and we've seen those fees just go like straight up and then what I when I think of what what is driving that um, I mean you guys talk a lot in your marketing about a borderless economy and. I think you know when you look at you know the the macro narrative right now of um, you know the system is rigged against traders whether you know the Robin Hood fiasco um, or social driving Doge to the heavens um, or um, you know really just the community coming to play like I, I'm just curious your view on there's probably never been a stronger point in time for talking about a borderless economy um, and I'm I'm just curious what are your What's your view of like, what are the building blocks of that? Like, how, how do we get to a borderless economy? Um, okay. I want to start with that. Adi, you want, you want to take that? Or you want to <laughs> I mean, for me, I think the low hanging fruit of that answer would be decentralization, um, governance, um, on-chain consensus mechanisms, things that bring the power and the autonomy sort of over the chain and where we're going to the community and the developers and the holders. I think there's a few branches to it, right? I think a, a key one is inclusivity, right? And it's accessibility. Yeah. So it's, you know, by lower transaction fees, by making, you know, an economy has to be a healthy place for anyone to come and build or uh, succeed or create value or, you know, create their own opportunity, right? So uh, whether that's a company organization that's trying to enable micropayments um, for people that don't have that kind of access, or if it's an organization trying to give, um, more power to their users and consumers. You know, we had some interesting stuff going on yesterday in the media industry and and a few days earlier, the music industry, right? But uh, so there's, I think it's inclusivity and, and access. I think 
you know, the tool, Paul, I'll, I'll go to you. You should talk a little bit about some of the tooling and the simplicity of sort of letting people build in that space and, and what, what that means in our our, our approach there. Yeah, um, you know, one way to think about it is, okay, well, if I'm talking about economy, I'm talking about, um, uh, you know, representing in a digitally unique way, things of value. Uh, I'm representing ownership of things of value. Uh, and then we're moving those things of value around, uh, which by the way, blockchains happen to be really good at, right? Um, and so when you look at those um, those building blocks, you know, one way to think about it from a, at a technical level is just like all the way at the building blocks is take a two by two sort of uh, uh, table. One axis is capabilities. One axis is attributes. Capabilities would be things like how many different types of assets can I represent? Can I represent uh, non-fungibles? Can I run represent fungibles? Can I represent uh, complex, uh, you know, interest-bearing uh, accounts? Can I do like et cetera, et cetera, et cetera? And then you pair that on the capability side. So how many different types of assets with how many different types of transactions? And it's a huge spectrum when you talk about types of transactions. There's everything from uh, oh, I just need to be able to send it to you, Joe. Uh, to I want a hundred page contract with Kelly that's going to exactly like specify out what this transaction looks like. Uh, and so you need to be able to support just at a, at a sort of high level. Um, how can we programmatically uh, take these different transaction types and put, put them in there? Um, on the attribute side, you're talking about things like cost. You're talking about things like speed. You're talking about things like trust model, uh, kind of all those those categories. So that's kind of like the zoom way out. You, you, you just you have to be able to whatever's going on in a bordered economy, you have to allow for those kinds of things in your borderless economy. There's some like non-negotiables. Um, when you get into it a little bit more, you think about markets. Markets are pretty much the same uh, across like any number of, what do you think of as a market? From like a, a, an NFT market to a um, in-game item market to whatever. Uh, they all look basically the same. Those building blocks are, uh, sound money. You got to have ways that you can transact with uh, very low volatility uh, pieces of value so that you, you can be comfortable actually making these transactions. You have to have investment opportunities. You have to have uh, insurance uh, of some sort. You have to have uh, places to exchange. You have to have uh, some sort of tax uh, or and or um, I don't know, regulatory is probably not quite the right word, but uh, some sort of ability to get get reporting and visibility into what's going on, um, and these markets are just like pick them up and 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 repeat across wherever it is you have value. Uh, and so uh, yes to all the things Addy said, yes to all the things Kelly said, uh, yes to the high level. But you also have to have these mark this sort of like templated market that you can pick up and put down. Uh, and so that's having the smart contract ability to create those markets, but then it's also building out the ecosystem. Uh, intentionally uh, in these areas to make sure that you've got a full sort of tight circle uh, of what creates a market. Because for instance, if you have a blockchain and the only thing you have on it is sound money, uh, that's not a market. If, the, if you have a blockchain and the only thing you have on it is you know, to, uh, uh, like NFTs some collectible tokens, mm -hmm. but you don't have any way to exchange mm -hmm. them, that's not a market. Uh, creating an asset does not create a market. And so you have to be really intentional about uh, here are the different uh, types of things that need to be available and the way they need to be available in order to create this templated market that you can pick up and put down wherever you need it. 
So, so on, on that note, considering that the, the governments are the, the entities that have created those borders, mm. uh, how are they going to feel about going borderless? That is not my department. <laughs> <laughs> just use there to build really cool things that work. <laughs> That's a good answer. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> no, it's, yeah. and, uh, go ahead, Eddie. A lot of the value from a developer standpoint, I think, is our SDKs. We have a kind of portfolio of them from Python to Java, um, JavaScript, Go. And coming in from more of a technical role at the at my prior layer one, um, seeing that there was this option base was really refreshing. And, and we're talking about accessibility and inclusivity. I think that's a really key element um, to kind of building the ecosystem from the back end. So talking about your developers and people that are coming on, I mean, maybe give us like a couple of quotes of some developers that have found some success. And it's like, they're like, well, this was really easy to work with. The organization was great. I mean, what, what do you think people find a lot of value from working with you guys? Hey, do you want to take that one? Or you want me to take that? We can both take it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, so um, I guess I'll, I'll put it in, uh, I guess, a couple of places where I, where, where I run across it. So one is, you know, we spent a lot of effort uh, on our developer website, so developer.algorand.org. Um, and it's not just an effort of like, you know, yeah, you got to make sure your docs, you know, your docs are updated and complete, but also I want, you know, walkthrough so solutions and tutorials uh, and actual code examples and et cetera. Um, and then we've also plugged in our community into content creation for that site. So you can create your solutions tutorials and get it up on that site. Um, and uh, we've got a bunch of actually really exciting things planned for that site coming up. So we're, we're continuing to evolve it. Um, but we've gotten a lot of feedback around the site from, from brand new developers. Like, hey, you know, I've worked on either uh, other blockchain projects or even just other open source projects. Uh, and they've been really uh, happy with the way uh, they can interface in uh, and sort of pick up the, um, uh, pick up the basics and then move into more advanced stuff using uh, using our site. So just sort of the I guess the entry point that way. Uh, we've definitely got a lot of uh, a lot of feedback on, and that's not to mention people that are doing you know not the newbies but folks that are being uh, doing more complex or more advanced uh, development as well. Uh, usually their their feedback is more on the accessibility of engineers and uh, and other technical folks within the project to to get help when they need it. Uh, and then also, you know, things like you know the Discord community, they can go there and get help. Uh, so it's really been more about uh, about that aspect, I guess, for, for for folks coming on. Yeah, I have to give you guys a shout out. Your developer site is so good that I shared it with our dev team just to show them what a good developer site looks like. <laughs> oh, that's awesome! So Liz Barron is the is the person Elizabeth Barron. She's the person that uh, really drives hard on the development developer site. So she'll be very. Very happy to hear that, as well as all the folks on the DevRel team that are uh, creating content. But you should wait till we get next. We got cool things coming next. So let me just say, John, point. I think I think Paul. You know, I think John. Think I appreciate that. I, I don't think people realize how much great stuff is there from Paul and Liz and the team over there. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's something that's not broadly known about Algorand as a resource because you know I probably hear more of it. Um, uh, than even Paul might because we see it on social and we come across it and we talk to a lot of the users that have had to get their hands dirty with it and you get really amazing comments like I thought this was gonna I had blocked three or four weeks to take care of this and I got it done in a half a day because the resources were so 
helpful and I was able to do it. And we've got some great partnerships um, from the DevRel space. So I think I think it's an unknown. I think it's really a, a hidden point for Algorand that that once people start to pick up on that, I think there's a ton of traction that, that we'll get on that side of things. Yeah, yeah, people I think forget from a kind of developer standpoint, I think, well, actually, maybe even ecosystem standpoint, how young we truly are as a chain. And so it's been really inspiring and encouraging. And I think, like Paul has just said, our, our docs are really solid, which you can't say for a lot of chains coming in from a developer. I mean, everything compiles, there aren't bugs, there aren't errors, there aren't version updates and things that are kind of common in other ecosystems. So I'm really looking forward to seeing kind of the growth of the community once that's once that becomes more common knowledge. And I just want to say that our developer channel was very happy that John was call, calling them out on their their dot now. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think one of the things that that really struck us looking at it was you know you've got you've got the solutions in there like like there's one in there it's I got it open here but it's like. Um, uh, building a permission voting stateful smart contract application. You got another one in here, uh, example, crowdfunding stateful smart smart contract application. Um, I mean, giving those examples, I think really gives some context. There's a lot of developer sites we see that are, are, are really technically great, but you don't have context to really kind of have a frame of reference with what you're trying to build. So I think that's really important. And, and on that voting application, I am really curious about that. Um, Algorand for voting, huh? Like, could ah. could uh, an election be held on using Algorand? Mm -hmm. uh, there, sure. there, there was a group of students that did it out of the UK. Uh, what university? Um, Addy, maybe you remember? Yeah, it's, I think it's the Q vote out of Imperial College, possibly. Yeah, Shout out. They did, during the back, <laughs> yeah, back in November, they did a mock-up for any non-US. They were being very political about it. They did non-US <laughs> participants could actually go and vote, and they had real results, all posted to blockchain. It was super cool. Yeah, oh, yeah, I mean, for for sure, we'd be a great platform for uh, for elections. We all know the, the complexity in, in elections is more than just having a voting app. Like, there's right. lots of stuff around that, uh, and certainly that voting app is more uh, of an example on how you might get started than uh, than something that's. Uh, by the way, built by Jason Weathersby. Shout out to Jason if, we, if you're uh, listening. But um, yeah, and we appreciate the feedback on that for sure. Great. Did you check out the tip bot, John? Even cooler. Good opportunity for the question there. We'll check that one out. Yep. Oh, yeah, I see that. Okay, cool. On Telegram. Oh, okay. Yeah, I did an AMA last week and they started tipping me. It's fascinating. It's very <laughs> Hold on a second. We can get tips in this thing? Yeah. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Joe and John should get on that. Yeah, I know. We'll make that happen. I heard I was on a Clubhouse stream. I don't know if it was, I'm losing my days now. I think it was two days ago. Um, and there was someone that's doing marketing for them, and they were saying that the first uh, the first application that's going to be monetized on Clubhouse is tipping. So that's yeah. that's coming to Clubhouse. Uh, okay, tipping the the yeah the host that's pretty cool. It's a simple such a simple way to get started. I mean, just to touch on some of the the voting, it's I feel like it's going to have to come, like you're saying, Paul, from more of a simple angle where maybe someone you know, is voted into like a, a smaller congressional district yeah. and it's, it, they take it upon themselves to say, okay, everyone in my district based on address or something that else that's out there, you know, I will, I will kind of take this law or this thing that I'm voting on and I will package it in a way that is very simple for you to understand. And then they are the ones that are voting on smaller items in these smaller districts. And then it's like, I mean, that's technically what a direct democracy is. Cause it's like, 
how are you going to vote out a person where it's like, well, they just voted the exact way that I told them to vote. Right. <laughs> it's like that they're, they you no longer, they're just kind of like a liaison for information and eventually it starts with people. And then I think eventually it's just, you know, people writing laws and people voting on them. I think that's like, you know, the timeline on that is very long, but I think on a smaller level, it could be, it could be done really efficiently. I, I agree with all that for sure. So I wanted, you know, we, we talked about developer section and everything else, and I want to get into marketing and, and get Kelly in on some of this stuff, but I did want to talk about team really quick. And I mean, you, you guys are, you know, pretty much decentralized, I think as an organization, it seems like you're, you're working in, in different countries. I mean, what does the team and any, anyone kind of grab this question? What does the team look like as far as size and, and breadth right now? Yeah, so you're talking to people from two different organizations. So there's the Inc. team here uh, based out of Boston and then Addy works for uh, the Algorand Foundation. And, you know, team size varies. You know, we've got a huge, I think it's less about team size and it's more about sort of all the connecting points. You know, Paul and his team serve as sort of the core hub of some of the innovation going on right now at Algorand, but there's a lot more behind that, right? Whether it's um, I mean, Reach is an example. They're doing some developer tooling, and there's others that are building, and there's others that are that are doing a lot. So, um, it's a it's a relatively small team, but I think it's not about the team size. It's sort of about the the growth and expansion of the community. And Addy, I'll let you sort of talk to the foundation. I know um, Sean Lee, yourself, and and some of the others there have a lot going on as well. Yeah, I mean, I completely agree with Kelly. Um, we kind of, we all wear multiple hats and do multiple things. And as we were talking before we came on kind of multiple time zones, it's not uncommon to be in a call in Hong Kong and then later that day be on a call in Sydney and uh, India and then in France. And so we're kind of really global in that sense. And I, I, it's hard to put numbers on because we have so many people who are contributing from the community and from exterior development studios that we work with quite extensively and accelerators and those sort of things. Um, so it's it's constantly changing depending on sort of what the scope of work is that we're doing. Yeah, and, and should be mentioned the ambassadors that we have. Algorand has a very formal ambassador program. I think mm -hmm. there's over 500 of them now from around 65 some odd countries. Um, wow. Just, you know, so, and, and the, those are part of the team, right? Like that's part of, of who we are. So I, you know, it's, it's hard to define clearly, but it, it spans and it's, it's expansive and it's, it's getting bigger every day. Awesome. Yeah, no, thank you. And yeah, no, it, it, I don't think team size, you know, it doesn't take a large team. WhatsApp had 12 people, right. You know, and I think it's more of an attestant, testament to, you know, how, how strong the team is. And, you know, we have a very small team. Sometimes people think we have a hundred people working for us, but they <laughs> just don't realize John works 48 hours a day. Um, so, <laughs> you know, it's all me. It's just the two of us. <laughs> Every response, every response DM tweet on Twitter. I don't know how he does it, uh, but no, that's that very cool. Um, you know, and and you know, I think you guys, based on you know the size, and I mean, if you were to look at the website, the case studies, and everything, I would say, man, they've got five hundred people working over there. So, whatever you guys are doing is working. Appreciate that. Yeah, thanks a lot. It, it, I really do appreciate that as well. Yeah, John, I, I, we want to talk about DeFi a little bit, or do you want to talk about marketing a little bit here? Um, well, I, I, I'd be curious more just, you know, how does the, the community, let's talk about marketing. I mean, how does yeah, the community. crypto community fit into your efforts? I mean, obviously, I mean, you go to your site and it's just like, wow, this is super advanced. This is not a normal blockchain project here. This is like, there's a, some serious effort here. Um, very, very enterprise level. Um, but how does the community fit into that? Like, how does it, you know, with your strategies going forward, I'd love to hear more about that. 
Yeah, you know, it's interesting because blockchain, as we all know, uh, can be used for almost anything. We've, taught, we've talked about tipping, we've talked about voting. We haven't even talked about the most obvious things like payments, for example, right? And so I think with, you know, at Algorand, anyone could use Al any anyone could use Algorand for anything. And we have a variety of use cases. Like I said, you know, the um, the music industry, the media and entertainment space this week, uh, World Chess is doing some really cool stuff with innovation in the gaming space on Algorand. So there's a variety of different industries, I think, where we see um, even more than those things, like those are sort of some niche ones for us. I think where we're seeing even more and more is on the financial space. And it's more where um, DeFi and and CFI and traditional finance are sort of coming together and, and converging. And we're sort of at this tipping point where um, there might not be the deviation between the two at some point. It'll be more a holistic story of what's the more efficient way to solve whatever problem that is in that in that space or anytime there's an exchange of value how do we do it better how do we do it more effectively more efficiently and with less friction um so you know we've got in terms of marketing and who who sits there who fits there you know here at the inc and i'll let addy comment about more of the the community and, and crypto token holders you know here at the inc we're really focused on delivering technology that lets all of those things that i was just talking about happen right so i look less uh, at at some of those um at the crypto and token stuff and we're really just heads down focused on what are people building that's going to change the world and how can we empower them how can we enable them how can you know paul build the best tech for them right so um that's where our focus is right now and addy i'll let you comment on some of the other stuff that you're seeing with the community more broadly yeah so i mean the community is such a broad definition of things i think like we've said earlier, the docs are really strong. We have a really strong Discord community. It's quite active. Our Telegram channels are so busy, I have trouble keeping up with them, despite the fact I check them multiple times a day. <laughs> um, the consciousness sort of around Algorand as a chain, I think from a person that spends my life on the internet, I'm realizing that that awareness is, is starting to peak as well. Or not maybe peak, but it's reaching the mainstream finally, and it's kind of coming outside of the crypto sector. So I'm starting to see a lot of the crypto hype people talking about it on YouTube and I'm seeing people having a conversation about it um, on on Twitter. And it's sort of, I think the ultimate goal that we all have in, in the foundation and perhaps the Inc is sort of bringing this to the masses and to the communities outside of crypto because everyone in crypto kind of knows how to implement these things. But really when crypto is gonna hit mainstream will be when that point is that we see it mass adopted. And I think Algorand has a potential to do that. Yeah, and, and the only other thing I'll say is like, uh, not speaking like crypto specifically, but just if you talk about like DeFi, right? DeFi is a sort of very grassroots uh, movement that is doing amazing innovation and disruption and changing the way people interact with, with money and with things of value. And then you've got traditional finance, uh, which has its own set of pros and cons, uh, but it, my guess, and probably, if you're being honest, probably your guess too, is that it won't always stay these totally two, you know, completely separate groups where you've got traditional finance over here and DeFi over here. Uh, over time, they will come together in some kind of ways. Uh, some of those traditional finances will go way on the other end of the spectrum, and some will just move a little bit on the spectrum. Uh, and some of the traditional DeFi will come over, and then it'll just be a big mix. Um, and and 
we see part of our role as being a place for those two things to come together. If you're building amazing DeFi applications, you should come to Algorand because it's going to be cheaper, it's going to be faster, and you're going to be just as expressive in terms of the, the types of applications you're building as you'd be somewhere else. Uh, if you're if you have a traditional finance business and you're looking to include blockchain in your stack because you want to move somewhere on the spectrum, uh, maybe it's all the way to the other side of DeFi or maybe it's just a little bit. Uh, Algorand is a place where you want to be uh, because we're cheaper, we're faster, uh, we're just as expressive. Um, and to your point earlier, John, like you know, we we have a, we have a very uh, well-known research team. We have a very uh, well-known sort of engineering business side team. Like we're we're really trying to do things right. And so by having both of those communities, if you will, in the same place. I think that's when you're really going to see a really interesting mix and explosion between uh, all of the innovation in DeFi and all of the very deep pockets in traditional finance. Uh, having them come together in one place is something that we're uh, really excited about doing. Paul, your your comment is so timely because I mean, it was early early January, right? Where there was that announcement that uh, like U.S. banks can use public blockchains. And yep. it's exactly what you just said. It's kind of this DeFi and CeFi intermingling I, i'm really curious where you see that going like am i going to log into my bank account and is there going to be a button that says buy you know some DeFi token or where how do you see that kind of working i mean that would be pretty cool i hope I so, hope so. Yeah, <laughs> right, exactly. right right uh yeah i think you know uh i i won't get too into trying to like call you know different banking things because it's not uh it's not really my my focus and i don't have the depth of knowledge there but you know, the, the way that banking uh, competitors has evolved, you have this, again, this big spectrum of like the, the very large traditional banks down to the midsize, all the way down to these neo banks. And these neo banks are competing on technology. Uh, and these are the folks that are bringing in, uh, you know, crypto and, uh, and other sort of digital assets uh, into their stack and into the way they provide value to their customers. And the way that industries work is you have the big people uh, that have been around a long time with lots of money. You have the small challengers doing all the disruption and then you get acquisitive and things happen. Right. So I would be if I was trying to call, what do I think banking will look like in the future? I'd be looking at the folks uh, way on the innovative side of the spectrum, I'd be looking at those yep. neobanks. How are they introducing uh, various digital assets? And it's probably going to look something uh, something like that because it will swim upstream. I mean, it, it's just, that's the way innovation works. Super exciting. I think it's yeah. also about the long-term that like what Paul laid out there, you know, that vision and where we see some of this stuff going um, has a lot to do with sort of the long-term enduring value that we're trying to build. This isn't like a quick thing. This isn't a quick game. This is, this is a longer term thing where we're, right. we're, we're building things that are going to be there for, a while and are going to impact the future significantly, and I think that shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be forgotten. That's a great point. And I mean, one of our Tim Tim Draper's one of our investors, and sitting down with him and, and listening to him talk, he talks about you know he wants the entrepreneurs that are building the companies for the future economy. You know, building the company for for 10, 15 years from now, you're not That's building great. the company for for today um, because that company was already built and is capitalizing. Um, on what's happening right now. And so you have to think big and you have to think, you know, longer term, um, you know, so it, it's a, it's a different, it's a different world that we live in with, you know, I, I kind of feel like every 
company is going to be tokenized and they're all going to be these like micro economies that are happening because we're kind of already seeing it in the way that it's working with certain companies right now. And it's just like you guys are talking about, like working with kind of institutional enterprise, you know, like new projects that want to create cool things, but then also this like, like other ambassador audience that like crypto companies have the ability to tap into that no one else does. And these people are a combination of like, you know, marketers, like educators, and they want to get involved. And it's, you know, I mean, you know, I know we, we don't have too much time left, but it's like, maybe Addy, you can start by like, what's, why does this happen in crypto? And I mean, obviously they're getting some sort of a piece of what you guys are building with a token, but it seems like people, I mean, you can see the chat today and how, you know, certain people are super bullish, super bear, what's going on, but they're invested. Yeah. At the end of the day, there's passion. I had to pull um, that one up. That, I'm cracking up here. That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it puts him to sleep super quick. <laughs> oh. I'm going to screen cap that one. Wow. So yeah, no, that's the, that's my bullish. <laughs> our, our background is steeped in that, right? Like that's been yeah. his life, his entire career. I mean, the list of, people, students that he's advised that have gone on to change the world is is really high. And uh, I think that sort of having that education and um, thinking about things through an academic lens brings a different perspective. And when you marry that up with, like Paul said, some, some of the best in engineering research and business, you, you've got some really great stuff. But Addy, I'll let you comment on some of the current programs there. Um, I mean, I'm not sure where to start. From a foundational standpoint, we've been working a lot on governance and decentralization. And so governance, if you're not familiar with that, I would define kind of simply put as on-chain governance specifically um, is a process in which blockchains and networks, blockchain networks can basically determine things like um, the existing protocol or parameters within the communities. It can support um, the facilitation of the state of the blockchain. And things we're doing like the uh, distribution of rewards via kind of online easy mechanisms such as voting. So we're going to start launching out uh, voting mechanisms for our grant programs and our bounty programs. Um, hopefully this year, that's something that I've been actively working on with some of the other researchers. Things like um, participation awards and making that easy with just basically running a wallet or a node and that sort of thing. Amazing. Well, we we're coming up on the hour, you guys. Um, you know, I, I really appreciate you guys coming on. And, you know, maybe if, if anyone wants to leave us, you know, Paul, Paul, you can just walk us to the next year of the roadmap if you want. We can stay on. Oh, yeah. John will do a three-year roadmap meeting yeah. for four hours every day. So I don't know yeah, what really? you guys are slacking on. Well, I'm going to share ours too. That's cool. Three years seems short. Our roadmap is 20 to 25 years. That's, that's what I, I, if I, we don't have it that far out, I don't feel comfortable. <laughs> I'd like to see that requirements document right now. Yeah, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, awesome, guys. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, just tell everyone where, where do you want to send everyone, you know, Twitter to the site? Where, where should everyone find Algo? Yeah, I, I'd say be sure to follow Algorand and the foundation, both at Algorand and at Algo Foundation on Twitter for the latest news and updates. Um, there's a ton coming out. We try and talk and give credit to all of those who are doing really great things, whether it's developers or businesses or um, enterprises or governments that are doing great things on Algorand. So stay tuned there for all the good stuff coming up. 
Awesome. Well, Kelly, Addie, Paul, and John, thank you guys all. We'll chat with you backstage here in just a moment. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thanks.